Welcome to Beneath the Wing. Just like air passing over the wing of an aircraft provides lift, the people we meet can also give us lift in life by sharing their stories of strength and success, connecting us all. Beneath the Wing explores the stories of those connected with the Minnesota Air National Guard's 133rd Airlift Wing with a little humor and learning along the way. I'm your host, Wing Command Chief Mark Legvold. I'm joined today by Airman First Class Festus Olaona Pekin. Festus joined the Minnesota Air National Guard about two years ago, works in our aircrew flight equipment shop, helping keep our crews safe and well outfitted with all the Gucci stuff. Um, he's also working with us full time in our recruiting area because that's an area of focus for us and uh, helping us get the very, very best talent that we possibly can into the wing to help keep our planes flying. Welcome, Festus. Thank you, sir. Thanks really, for having me. Absolutely a pleasure. So you started out um, joining us as, as an aircrew flight equipment person. Yes, sir. How did you choose that job? Well, it was one of the like job tours I had at three other options. At sea was one of them, and I think arms was another one. So I pretty much was looking at, uh, I wanted to travel, which was one of my main reasons for joining the Air Force. And I was looking into that, and I also want to do something that I can, that's like not just focus on one um, tax, but like multi-tax. So I was interested in just working on different equipment at a time, or just doing different, um, uh, focusing on like multiple equipments and just learning new things. So uh, AFE stuck out to me, and um, CE, I kind of didn't want to work outside because I did that my previous job, just installing solar energy. In the, a solar panel, so I was like, "Yeah, I'm not done, and I'm not built for Minnesota weather." So, yeah, <laughs> it, it can be brutal at times. Yes, yes. And, and our civil engineers do need to do that work in all the oh, climates. Yeah, really, yeah. So, aircrew flight equipment (AFE), as you've been calling it, you said they travel a lot. And when I said they basically get the equipment ready for our air crews to fly and yes. be well outfitted, why would we need to bring somebody that's specialized in their equipment once we've sent them out on the road? Uh, just to make sure like the there's no fault in the equipment, maybe in flight or after the flight or maybe before coming back home to base and just to make sure everything is ready and just to perfection that you know the air crew can rely on and know that this is there whenever hopefully it doesn't come to that that time or you know accident or whatever but yeah yeah and you've uh, you said you used to work outside yes a lot yeah. installing solar energy which I'm super interested in talking about here in a bit but sure. that's a, you took a departure from what you had been doing what you were used to in order to join AFE what are some of the skills that you learned in that job uh, just um, learn out a measure um scatter heights first but um kind of got over that with the different levels of building so yeah my first job was really scary and it was like it was actually next door to my friend's parents house so i just climbing on there and they were like looking at me like oh be careful to fall off and i was just kind of like um trying my best yeah but i took it from there and um i learned a lot like out of wire um how to connect the panel to the power and also wire it to the house. But not, I'm not really an electrician, so that's the electrician job. But they mainly just tell us, like, just wire this, check if that's connected, or we divide a circuit, and yep. 
Now it's like secondhand to you? Yes. Or like used to be secondhand used to be secondhand, to you? yeah. What's your civilian job now? You've been working with us full-time for a little while. Uh, but do you have a new job to, or a job to go back to? No, not at the moment. I quit my job, uh, which was furniture installation. And that was working for my friend's dad. I've been doing that for a while, a couple of years now. And he's been really good to me because he helped me um, with that job and also with the time flexibility. Because mm -hmm. I go to class and sometimes class goes from like 9 to noon and he's like, oh, you don't have to show up to like afternoon and just come by. So that was pretty good of him and I appreciate him for that. And yeah, I told him I was going to leave, but I didn't tell him I was going to join the Air Force because he was like, oh, in case if I didn't really make it. So I just held that to myself. And sure. I didn't even tell my friends about that, me joining, and they were kind of mad at me after I came back and I was like, yep, I'm in the Army or Air Force now, and yeah. What made you decide to join the Air National Guard? How did you find us, first of all? Because sometimes that's just hard in and of itself. We're a small base in the middle of a big Twin Cities metro area. Yep. How did you find the Air National Guard? Uh, I kind of wanted to join in 2014 before I went to college at UND and uh, didn't really do well in the ASVAB but also I was kind of nervous about because I actually missed the building and missed my time for appointment and that was the only time that was scheduled because I was leaving for school like the next week so I was like okay this is the only time I can do this so so all that played into like me not performing well I was off by like a point just to get the cutoff mark mm -hmm. and I was just like okay well I guess I can look into it in the future but didn't really focus on it but I talked to my sister's friend at a wedding like the year before within the year I joined and she told me about the Air Force I actually asked her about the army but she was like oh under the army because she's an army and she was like yep join the Air Force so she told me she was gonna contact our sergeant of hers and she, the sergeant sent me um, Sergeant Todd's contact. Mm -hmm. And I got a hold of him and he was really cool. We had a conversation and I told him about my past um, trial to join. And yeah, he worked with me and it was a great help. And yeah, helped me find AFE and I'm happy that I chose that route. Yeah, now, now here you are helping new recruits go through that same process. Yes. What is, what's the wisdom that you've been able to share with, with okay, the youngest members of our 133rd family out here, you get a chance to just have a quick word in their ear. What's the advice you give them? Um, just focus, uh, you know, Air Force, everybody joined for the reason, and mine is education. I wanted to finish and take advantage of the education benefit and get my bachelor's degree done. So if everyone else has different reasons for joining the Air Force, so just focus on that and... Be respectful to others and treat others how you want to be treated because respect goes a long way for me. And um, just, you know, being kind and know that, okay, you can count on your airmen to be there for you whenever you need it. And, yeah, just do the best job because that's what we're here for. Yeah, yeah. Great, great advice to give somebody just starting out. You've been through a lot in your life. I mean, this is, uh, um, you've been, it, you have had an interesting experience uh, growing up. I learned about you, Festus, in uh, that you were born in Nigeria, yep. and your dad left when you were two years old, Yes, came here to America. What was his goal when he came here? Uh, his goal was first, get his uh, citizenship, which he got in 2008, I think. 
and uh, after that, start working on the papers to bring my family over, and which was a long, tedious process, but he didn't really achieve that until, I think, 2012, yeah, and the 2012 interview was, it was funny, because it was only for my sister and I, so my mom wasn't included on that one, because the lawyer advised that it would be easier for the kids to go first, and yeah. you can focus on the mom, which worked out perfectly, because we got our visa, and my sister and I kind of played this game, we were like, oh, we just lied to our dad that we didn't really get it, just to see a look on his face, and he was just like disappointed, and we're like, oh, we got it, and he was like, don't lie to me right now. I was like, no, we're not lying. We really got it. So, <laughs> yeah, I we made the decision for me to come first because I already finished. I just finished the uh, high school, so I came first. My sister was already in college back home, so coming here, it was like, okay, I'm gonna come here and just try to go back into high school or try to go into college if possible. But I wasn't allowed to because of my age. Yeah. So I came here when I was 15. So. I had to redo high school, so it was kind of like a revision for me. The only class that was new to me was U.S. history, and yeah, just mainly U.S. history. Help me understand that a little bit. You talked about high, sc- high school in Nigeria. You finished at age 15. Yes. Um, it's a little different here. We would normally finish when we we're like 17. Yes. So you had two more years of high school after finishing school yeah. in Nigeria and being eligible to go to college there, right? Yes. Um, what was it like going back to a high school, knowing that you'd already finished everything and had, you know, this new experience, but still, it's like you were, did it feel like you were starting over? Or what did you feel like? I told myself, I was like, uh, you know what, this is a new start in a new country. Just uh, just focus and just do the best you can, I guess. And I did. It was funny because I was in the same class, math class, as my cousin because I went to the same high school as him, Lakeford North. And I was just sitting there watching him, and everybody was kind of struggling with this math problem. And I was just looking at them, I was like, because uh, the teacher didn't really tell me how to participate. Just, she was just like, just observe, you know, first day in class. And I was like, okay. So I was observing, and I was like, I can't really do this. And I was talking to the other, because we have two teachers in the class. Yeah. The other guy was, he was really close to me, so it was kind of like trying to work me through what they're going through. And I was like, so I was pretty much going along with it. I was like, so you do this, you do that. And you're surprised I actually knew what was going on. And shoot. So they had a discussion afterwards. I'm like, okay, he's really good at this. So we can just like move it on and with the class. Mm-hmm. And I was, my cousin was surprised that I actually knew what was going on. Well, you and, paid attention in school yeah, back, back back home, yeah. right? So I had told him, I was like, yep, if you need help with a math problem, like I got you. There you go. Yeah. Now, now suddenly you're the you're the assistant teacher in the yes. class. Huh? How fun was that? So you you went through two more years in school in Maple Grove, Maple Grove, correct? Uh, Osseo Senior. Osseo, gotcha. Uh, Orioles. Yes. Go Orioles! All right. Um, graduated high school. Your goal was to get to college. You yes. went to University of North Dakota. Yes, sir. What are you studying? Uh, went there for aviation, which is why I tried joining the Air Force, uh, and. Uh, didn't do so well because I figured I was scared of height at one point, and yeah, that really, well, a lot of fact, a lot of factor played into that because um, when so Valley Fair happened that summer before I left for college, and I almost fell off the wild then ride, and I told the guy I was like, I'm not safe in this, but he didn't believe me, uh-huh. and everybody was like, oh, 
just do it because we came as a group so yeah first drop and i pretty much just leaned forward and i had to grab the guy in front of me because i knew him and that was the only way to stay safe mm. so i held on to him for the like the whole drop and kind of just sat back down that would be enough yeah that would be enough that's a that's some shock right there yes <laughs> my goodness and so you decided not to fly because those yep. planes do get pretty high up in the air. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, um, switch majors. Uh, decided to go for computer science because my godfather, that's his uh, line of work. And uh, I figured that wasn't really for me because I like working with my hands. So I just left school for a little bit and UND wasn't really the place for me. And um, I had a lot of family stuff happening to me um, during my time there. And um, so it was like just a roller coaster ride for me during that time period. Yeah. So I decided to come home, uh, take a break, work, save money because I wanted to actually just pay for class because I felt like this is me just focusing on myself and actually paying for something that I worked hard for um, really meant a lot to me. And I can really like push myself and like, okay, there's no going back. You already failed once. So you can't fail again because yeah. you actually just putting your heart and money into this. So, yeah. Keep pushing through. Yes, sir. Your independence, um, I, you mentioned that. Does that come from uh, knowing that your dad is far away? You know, basically your, uh, your mom raised you. You had good family structure there, right, yeah. Nigeria. Um, but at the same time, you had to be a pretty independent young man. Uh, is that where that came from? What was your big family influence on that? Uh, well, my family is like really uh, well, different sides. My dad's side and my mom's side. But I felt like I was really more close to my mom's side because my mom would just, because um, she was still in school uh, while she was raising us. And whenever it's time to go to school, she just drops it off as in my grandma's place. Then I just hang out with my grandma. And my grandma really taught me a lot growing up. And um, I kind of, as a kid, you don't really pay attention to stuff that your grandparents are trying to tell you. But mm-hmm. later in life, you look back at it and you're like, okay, I can see why she's teaching me this. Yeah. yeah. So grandma was your big influence? Yes. What um, What did she teach you? Uh, she taught me how to be just respectful. I wasn't really, and listen more and pay attention. And um, just treat others how you want to be treated. So disrespect doesn't really fly in our house. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, no. And yeah, I don't disrespect my sister, but she felt like, because back home in our culture, like you always respect the first child, no matter what. So well, my sister is like, okay, I don't. it's not like I don't respect her, but I feel, I feel like she can do better. And she let people walk over her. So mm-hmm. that's when I don't like that. And I actually stand up for her. But she's like, I don't care. But there's a difference. You talk about the culture there, it's a little different yes. on how they treat their kids. Yes. What's the, and coming here as a teenager, I mean, you get, you have older eyes than somebody that would have come here with as a child. Yes. What are the big cultural differences between coming into a suburban high school right here in the middle of America in Minnesota, uh, but you just left your home country of Nigeria? What are the big cultural differences and what do you miss? Uh, well, I miss the food mainly, um, freedom, 
but not really freedom. I guess it's freedom here, but freedom in the sense that's like uh, uh, I can run whenever I want to, or just kind of like you guys go for like a little run, or like a mile, just for I guess not for fun but for fitness. Mm -hmm. But back home, it's like oh, I can just run freely, and nobody's gonna question why I'm running. I actually did that running in my uncle's area and I got pulled over by the cops so that was like uh okay I didn't really do anything I was just running mm -hmm. but yeah that was one thing that was like why but yeah he my uncle came over and like stepped in and was like okay he's still new to the country so it's still like adjusting to things and another one is uh kids calling their parents by their first name that was weird so my friend did that, and he called my uncle his first day, and I looked at my uncle, and I was like, uh, okay, what are you going to do? <laughs> a different, different level of respect yeah. there. So I was, that was that was huge, and uh, I never even called my friends. They tried telling me, like, oh, just call me by my first name. I'm like, oh, no, I'll just call you you're by your last name. So I just do that every time, even with their mom. Yeah. So out of respect. Yeah, and you mentioned you mentioned that uh, you know respect thing when you give new troops advice when they're coming in. Yes. You know, it, it fits well in our military culture. That was something that you you got growing up. Even Aaron, uh, Chief Aaron Seek, he did that to me first time. I was like, uh, I'll just call you Chief. So I just mm -hmm. call him Chief from now on. Yeah, yeah. I'd say uh, it's a different different environment, isn't it? Yes, for sure. Um, one thing that I also learned about you, Festus, is your uh, uh, part of your culture that was kind of important to you was music. Yes. Um, you're a musician, aren't you? Uh, used to be. Used to be. Once you are, you are. Yeah. What What instrument do you play? Uh, I play the conga. What's the conga? Uh, so it's uh, two, well, it's, I guess, back on they call it, well, it's not really a talking drum, but it's part of the talking drum. So we call it a talking drum because the drum actually, it's kind of like a, it's talking in our language. I don't really know if that makes sense already. But yeah, it's, yeah, my dad, there's different ones. There's, uh, they call it the gong gong, and that's the talking drum itself. And the conga also supports it. So it's kind of like a backup, like a backup singer. Uh -huh. Yeah. And then you sing as well? Yes. In a choir? Yes. Not in by my, yourself? No. We, we had this chat. I'm like, this guy needs to sing the national anthem. Because that's what we do out here. Somebody sings the national anthem before our thing. But we're going to find your voice. Okay. Okay. You're just so agreeable. It's fantastic. Um, I've been talking with Airman First Class Ola Onapekin. And thank you so much for coaching me on saying your name correctly. I hope yes, I'm getting it right. Yep. Um, we're going to take a quick break and hear from the good folks that he's been working with in recruiting. I hope you stick around for the second session. Hello, this is Senior Airman Isaac Hernandez with the Minnesota Air National Guard recruiting team. First off, I wanna say thank you to all the recruiting ambassadors who have been helping us out over the past couple months. The Minnesota Air National Guard is currently looking for self-motivated and driven people to join our world-class organization. We have a wide variety of jobs that easily transfer to the civilian sector. We have jobs ranging from being a flight engineer, logistics, dental assistance, and security forces. Keep in mind that besides from getting real-world experiences and having an opportunity for growth and career development, we will also pay for your college up to the University of Minnesota rates. We also provide top-notch medical and dental insurance for a low cost for you and your dependents. Also, we offer half a million dollars in life insurance for only about $30 a month. 
For any questions you may have, please reach out to me or any of the recruiting team members to see how we can help you get started your new, started with your new career at the 133rd. Give me a call, 612-910-1178. Again, 612-910-1178. Thanks for sticking around. Uh, with me still is Festus Ola Onopakin. Uh, he's stuck around for uh, the second half of the podcast. I hope everybody listening did too. Thanks, Festus, for sticking with me. Thanks, sir. All right. So during the break, you and I had a little bit of conversation, and you told me very quickly in passing earlier that at one point you got pulled over for running. Yes. And it was actually here in this country. Yes, sir. And um. You were close to home. Your uncle came and kind of got you out of that situation. But I asked you, how did that make you feel? So here in Minnesota, um, you, a young black man, runs from the cops. That's why you got pulled over? Uh, kind of. Tell us about yeah. that situation. Uh, so um, I was running just to like kind of like get a attention of my uncle, like a... Your kid is with us, but we went for a walk, just in case if you're wondering why the house is empty. And uh, it was getting dark out, actually. And um, while I was running, the cop was, like, driving towards me. But he thought I was running away from him because I saw him. And he assumed, like, I was one of, like, the kids, the bad kids in the neighborhood that kind of, like, gets in trouble often. And he assumed I was one of them and just detained me and was wondering why I ran away from him, and I was like, I didn't really do anything. Mm-hmm. And then my uncle saw what's happening and just came to save me, and yeah, that was my first experience uh, running in with the cops. Yeah. Yeah. What did you um, What did you learn from that situation? I mean, it's different. You were telling me that uh, growing up in Nigeria, there's four different tribes, yeah. but there isn't racism. Did you feel like this was an instance of racism, or do you, do you think it was a, a mistake? Help me understand. Uh, I just thought it was a mistake. Is um, it's a uh, Brooklyn Park is kind of like mostly just that area itself is mostly high population, mostly black. So I can get him, like I can understand him saying, "Okay, I thought you were like oh one of us kids," and just this assumption went off. But it's like okay. Yeah, but also in Nigeria, it's like we go through stuff like that, but the cops don't really care because they're like, okay, they know what to look at, and they know, like, you can tell who's actually, like, a bad influence or a bad kid. You can really point them out because they hang out in groups. Mm-hmm. So here it was kind of new and, I guess, different for me, but I didn't really think too much about it back then. Yeah. But um, just looking at it now, it's like, okay. I can see why he did that, but still, after I told him, like, I didn't really do anything, and he didn't really find anything on me, so, and, you know, my sister was actually trying to tell him, like, hey, he didn't do anything, and, but I was glad that he was able to listen, and he checked my records and didn't really see anything on me, so that was pretty nice. All right, so he was just checking. Yeah. Okay. No run-in since then? No. No? No, not really, just tickets tickets you should slow down well <laughs> yeah I, I probably should well actually it wasn't really it's like oh uh, you know when you travel in the middle of nowhere kind of like going to Bemidji or yeah. 
yeah, most likely me, G. I was going to visit my sister in college, and I got pulled over twice in the same town. Well, yeah. Bestus. Gotta stay safe, my friend. Yes, sir. Uh, all right. Um, we talked a little bit about uh, culture back in Nigeria, and we know that your dad came here first. Yes, sir. Twelve years later, you and your sister got to got to America, and now your mom is here as well. How long between you guys getting here, you and your sister, and your and then your mom finally coming? How many? How much time was there then? I think it was about a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah, about a year and a half. So it didn't really take her that long, because it took her a while to actually get an interview um, from the embassy. But after she got that, then it was. I think she just needed to uh, submit some few documents, and that was it. Sure. Yeah. And then unification of the family is yes. a, a priority of our State Department, yep. isn't it? I'm glad that that worked out. Now, mom is here. Yes. She works as a caterer. Yep. You and I had some uh, conversation about uh, the kind of food that she cooks, Nigerian yes. food. Take me through this because we have pretty bland food here in Minnesota. <laughs> what are the flavors like and what's your favorite? Uh, so my favorite is probably fried rice, but I don't mind um, the other dishes. But um, yeah, she does a lot of stuff and tries to like cater to people that really want above and beyond because you can't really find ingredients and uh, yeah, most of the ingredients for like most foods due to like um, the, I don't know, just shipping and from the border and, st and stuff or trying to get stuff into the state. Mm -hmm. So yeah, she tries the best she can and yeah, I just had a job, worked for her other job on Sunday, this past Sunday. And um, yeah, it's pretty fun and just helping her out the best I can. Awesome. Yeah. Good. Well, let's do some short answers, shall we? Yes, sir. All right. You know how this works because you've listened to at least one podcast, right? Yep. Stop looking down. These are not trick questions. They're pretty darn easy, right? Okay. Um, favorite soccer club? Manchester United. Is it soccer or football? Football. If you could have any car, what would you get? Oh, an Audi RS6 Avant. Say again? An Audi RS6 Avant. Good call. Superpower you wish you had? Mm. I'll probably say... It's a really tricky question. Uh, invisibility. Invisibility. What brings you the most joy in life? Seeing people smile, or a smile on people's face. All right. Favorite smell? Mm. Uh, la lavender. Yeah, lavender is in bud. Yeah. All right. Fela Kuti, James Brown, or Michael Jackson? Uh, Fela Kuti. All right. I learned about him and his influence on American culture and music. Yeah. Uh, a style called Afrobeats. And while I was listening to his music, and I'm going to just encourage people, go to YouTube. Look up F-E-L-A, capital K-U-T-I, listen for a little while, yep. and you will hear the music of James Brown in his music. I was yep. amazed, and I'm, I love James Brown. Um, funk, jazz, soul, I just found him to be really awesome. Yep. Tell me how you got introduced to his music. Uh, I just remember my dad used to play his music along with King Sonny Ade, 
uh, growing up, and my mom started playing that, and I just play some cassette that I have back home, and I do that while I, like, just do some chores in the house, and, yep, his music has always been all, like, part of, like, the Nigerian culture growing up, and nobody really knows the last name Kuti, everybody knows the last name Kuti. And they know the founder of Afrobeat, which you can probably say is Felakuti. Yeah, I mean, fantastic music. Um, when I asked you your favorite soccer club, you told me Manchester United. Okay. Uh, what got you passionate about them? Understanding that Nigeria used to be in a British uh, colony, yep. is that what got you in there, or why Manchester? At first, my first club was Barcelona. Because that was the only team I could watch back home. Oh, okay. Uh, and we didn't really have, well, p the power wasn't really always constantly on like it is here. So it was like hard to find games to watch. And whenever it's on, it's like, oh, what's going on right now? So I started watching Barcelona and got, loved Ronaldinho, the way his playing style was and how he's just amazing with the ball at his feet. And then I watched Manchester United play and now they got back from a, 3-0 defeat and won it at like 5-3 before in the span of like 30 minutes and I was just amazed how incredible that team can accomplish such feat in like that mm -hmm. short time frame so I was like okay I'm gonna just keep watching them and loved Sir Alex Ferguson and yeah been a fan of the club for like I want to say maybe 15 years now do you find it hard to watch American football knowing that you're a soccer fan, or is it easy for you? Um, I watch it with my friends sometimes. Like, if I'm hanging out with them and they have it on, I'll just watch. But I hate asking questions when I'm watching something, but I can't help myself because I always love learning. So I'm like, okay, why is that a foul? Uh, why is that a flag? Or just ask random questions. Mm -hmm. And they always try to explain it to me, but I catch on sometimes, but yeah. When, when you moved here to Minnesota, did you get introduced to hockey then? I got introduced to hockey at UND. Which was weird rules. First, yeah, we, they had a lot of weird rules. And I also got invited to my first hockey game, which was at UND by one of the hockey players because I helped him open the door to get his gear into the – because we lived on the same floor. Yeah. And we became friends since, and he was a pretty cool defender. And I actually got him to like smash one of the opponents right in front of me. So that was pretty awesome. <laughs> it's different than soccer, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> um, Festus, you're you're not the youngest person that's an airman first class out here. You're a little bit older, yes. uh, a little bit more experienced. Yeah. Um, and already you've done a lot of really neat stuff. You've gotten to travel a little bit with the military. Yes. Uh, you, you've got a great job that you're going to be going back to after working on a recruiting staff. Yes. So it's been kind of a whirlwind of a couple of years in military service. What are you most looking forward to for the remaining time that you have in the Air Guard? Um, looking forward to uh, like mainly what I can bring to the um, AFE like crew and also like just do the best I can. And I know we are always like talking about, okay, what's the best, how best can we do this? or how best can we just innovate, but not really innovate, but we just do the best we can with our job. And I'm just hopeful I can be a part of that and contribute more to that before, yeah, before I leave here. 
which you probably are, you're going to stick around for at least a good 20 years, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's the retention pitch That's that I get to give you. <laughs> hey, uh, on top of that, you're balancing your civilian life. Yep. And I know that you're a student. What are you planning on finishing your studies? When you finish your studies, what's your degree going to be in? Uh, construction management. Why did you choose construction management? Uh, I really worked with like a lot of project managers at my furniture job. And um, just doing that, I figured I can like do better than what they did. Because sometimes like I scratch my head just looking at some of the print and I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. You could have done better with this. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so looking at that, I'm like, I can do better in this. And I've never been the person that always lead. I like just sitting in the background and kind of observing and helping people out. But I feel like I can do better at that job. And how far are you in your studies with it? Uh, it's kind of like two years left. Two years to go. Yes, sir. Awesome. Well, Festus, thank you so much for joining me Thanks, sir. on Beneath the Wing and sharing your story. It's absolutely amazing. Um, I'd also like to thank Jared Smith for his background research, Amy Lovegren, as usual, for her production work. And uh, next on Beneath the Wing, we're going to be joined by Master Sergeant Brian Shu, professional bull rider and member of our wing. So hope to see you then. Thanks again, Festus. Thanks for having me. Thanks, sir. <laughs>